0: Rnz National. This is lately with Karen Hay. What are we talking about tonight?
1: Well, I think we'll start as we should with Sean Plunkett. Really? Uh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> the magic, the magic talk host Sean Plunkett, former radio New Zealand, former a lot of things. Uh, this week he did something very unusual. As you know, sort of every week, magic talks hosts they sort of scramble desperately for ratings. You know they've got to take on News Talk ZB, which has this dominant market position, and so they do sort of semi-controversial, outrageous, sometimes uh, ridiculous things to try and draw in listeners, draw in you know callers. This week, Sean may have taken it a little bit too far. So on Monday he tweeted the following. I'll read it out. This is an open invitation to the woman at the centre of the unproven allegations of sexual assault by a young Labour Party staffer, which led to his resignation, and that if the party president to contact me and explain why I shouldn't reveal your identity. If that sounds... Incredibly confusing to anyone else, that's because it doesn't particularly make sense. I was but going to ask you, is that your grammar or his? That's his grammar. I was reading it verbatim. <laughs> yeah, right. So once people deciphered this and realised that he was, what he was doing is threatening to reveal the identity of the Labour Party uh, member who complained of a sexual assault by a staffer. Uh and so people obviously got very enraged about this. They sent him reasons why he shouldn't do this. They sent him, I guess, what you uh, very inflamed messages, and they sent him reasons why this was unethical and possibly illegal. And so, I'd uh, say possibly illegal would be right, wouldn't it? This is the this is the contention. Now it's not Sean's contention, but you know, uh, people that complain of sexual assault are given protections under the law. This one's a bit of a grey area because the complaint wasn't taken to the courts, but. In any case, Sean by the next day was walking back his threat and he was on his radio show talking about the reason why he was no longer threatening to do this and it's because he had talked to MediaWorks lawyers who had given him the following advice.
2: Well the upshot is that I will not be naming the woman involved, not because it would have been illegal, but because the risk and reward of doing so would most likely be marginal.
1: Who <laughs> for him? I guess so, or MediaWorks, I'm not too sure. He the was The risk and reward, oh yes. The risk and reward of doing so. Now, he doesn't really have all the facts about this matter at all, but he thinks this person was making a fake complaint and that he should reveal their identity for several reasons, which I won't go into. But but, but
0: he, asked, he, he asked, it was an open invitation for the woman to contact him. To so,
1: explain why he shouldn't name her, which reads... Oh, to
0: explain why he shouldn't name her.
1: Which reads a lot. Like a kind of a black male. Yeah, very much so. You have to contact me to say why I shouldn't name you for your with your sexual assault complaint.
0: It took me that long to work out what that tweet meant. That's
1: what Thanks, he's Hayden. saying. I'm sorry <laughs> right. that it took so long. I shouldn't have read it verbatim. I could I could have summarized it. For you, so he was talking to the lawyers, but then he spent the a lot of his show. He's probably only one lawyer at MediaWorks, to be fair, but yes. carry on. Yeah. The rest of his show, he, he spent a full five-minute segment of his show talking about the mean tweets that people had sent to him after he made this threat.
2: Someone called Kieran sent me one saying, you are a truly disgusting piece of S-H-I-T. But they've just got Peg La on, K on their, fo- on their profile. And they have only been up and running since June 2019. and They've got a whole 31 followers, um, Kieran.
1: There was five minutes of that. So, I mean, as the Fairfax journalist Philip uh, Matthews noted, this is a man that has invited uh, feedback, moaning about the feedback that he had received. You know, the grievances did ease off a little as the show went on, uh, but... This is another segment that he had with a caller where he sort of explains a little bit more detail about why he did not reveal this person's identity. And even though you obviously you can't say who this person was, which is obviously yeah. fair enough and understandable. But yeah. um, goes I, I'd to, like
2: to. I'd like to. But, yeah, you know, yeah, I've got to work. I've got to keep my job. And yeah, I've got to keep... Yep. I don't want to cause undue financial stress to my employers. That would be a dumb yeah. thing to do. Yeah, no, definitely. Yeah, that's no, definitely. Yeah. Uh, All right. So, Adam. Yeah. So you. So while you're away overseas, you and and your partner exchange intimate pictures across the phone. Do you have you kept up the tradition, or now that you're back in country, um, you can get the real thing?
1: As you can see, the. The the topic gave way to other topics as well.
0: What did Adam answer?
1: He did answer in the affirmative there.
0: I think I've spoken to Adam. No, is that true? <laughs> There's only a certain amount of people who call talk back. Absolutely. Over and over
1: and over again. So this is a huge... It's a, it's a big thing on Twitter this week. But I, I thought it was just a little bit beyond the pale for Sean to threaten this. And I understand that there are pressures involved with his job. But I would say that it was... Unethical to essentially blackmail this woman.
0: Yes. And what else have you got for us, Hayden? What should we talk we about now? We can talk
1: about something else that happened in the U.S., where this week the Washington Post newsroom went into revolt. So, I mean, this is the context of this is that um, the NBA legend Kobe Bryant died on Monday. And, of course, there's an immediate outpouring of grief from his fans online. You know, there's mourning, there's laments. uh The Washington Post political reporter Felicia Sonmez had a different read. So she tweeted out a link to a Daily Beast story about Kobe Bryant's uh, credible rape accusation against him that was lodged in the early 2000s, but the story was from three years ago and it went into all of the detail about that. So this is quite an inflammatory thing to tweet out in the aftermath of Kobe Bryant's death, and people, of course, got very angry at her uh, they threatened her, they revealed her address online, and so she, Felicia, um, she notified her editor, Marty Barron, at the Washington Post about this, and, and uh, Director of Personnel, Tracy Grant, and she just said, look, I'm getting a lot of threats, and they responded. She probably thought that they would respond in, uh, you know, in a way that would be sort of protecting her, but they instead responded by saying that she had to delete the tweets. And Marty Baron, the editor, who's a legendary editor, but he sent her a note saying that she was hurting the institution and showing a lack of judgment. But she complied and she deleted the tweet, but then she was suspended uh, anyway for tweeting that.
0: So did the Washington Post at any time have any story on Kobe Bryant and those allegations or was this new for their
1: paper? They had stories about Kobe Bryant. I'm not sure that they had recent stories as well reported as the Daily Beast's on the, the, the rape case was well reported very public at the time it's 2003 to 2005 it was settled out of court
0: yes Uh, and wasn't there some apology given to the
1: complainant yes by kobe bryant in the end he i'll paraphrase here but he he said i believed it was consensual i've now come to understand that this complainant did not see it that way i'm sorry he said all that he said it out of court that Probably should have been the end of it, but the 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 thing th- with the Sonmez uh, tweeting out the story, it probably shouldn't have invited repercussions from her organisation. But the fact that it did incensed the newsroom, so there's. The repercussions and the, the, the newsroom. The, the repercussions, the suspension, and in, in the newsroom. The 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 Washington Post newsroom guild released a letter signed by 200 journalists, including several Pulitzer winners, Wesley Lowery among them, David Farenthold, uh and they said this action is. Ridiculous! It should not have been taken. She tweeted out a story that has no factual errors, there's no real reason for this, and uh, they posted this online. It became a huge, um, I guess, intra-media dispute, intra-organisational dispute. The Post's media commentator, Eric Wemple, posted a blog calling the Washington Post's decision to suspend her uh, misguided. So this afternoon the paper actually put out a statement saying it had investigated and that after conducting this investigation, they realised that Felicia Sommes hadn't breached its social media policies and she would be reinstated. That's going to be
0: difficult as she goes back into work. But uh, the the main argument against it would have been that he's just died tragically in a helicopter accident. His daughter died with him, as did others. And that, that... may have been a little too soon to have brought that topic up, perhaps in a few days' time. Was that the main criticism?
1: Yeah, absolutely. And that that's something that comes up. It came up, I think, recently in the death of George Bush, you know, where people talked about his uh, warmongering, is what they called it, in the Middle East, you know, that kind of thing. You know, it's while he's still, people said with Kobe Bryant, you know, the helicopter's wreckage is still smouldering in the hills and you're tweeting this uh, i think somia's perspective is interesting because she said that she wanted to be a voice for sexual assault survivors that she felt probably were seeing his past essentially whitewashed and that this wasn't being mentioned in the obituaries he was kind of being lauded as an unblemished hero, and so she tweeted this out as sort of a counter to that or what she saw as a narrative. She is also experienced in her own life she made an allegation of sexual assault against a fellow reporter that was reported on a couple of years ago, and so she probably has that perspective as well.
0: Uh, perhaps perhaps in this day or an age that we live in of social media that don't speak ill of the dead is no longer a thing.
1: and but I mean it is a convention. But the Washington Post newsroom's argument was that it's not a convention for journalists. Journalists are meant to speak the truth. They're meant to speak accurately. That's their full responsibility. They don't have to take into account the will of a social media majority or mob or anything. You know, they're just meant to say what's true. And the issue here is that it wasn't that she was expressing an editorial view. I mean, her Position can be inferred from her decision to tweet it, but there was nothing inaccurate in the story that she tweeted. It was well reported. It was a respectable story by all accounts. No one's doubting the story. And so suspending her for tweeting that sort of went beyond the pale uh, in the view of those journalists. And I can understand where they're coming from there.
0: Yes, yeah, so can I. But as I said, in terms of how the landscape has changed, I wonder what they would have done in the past. Would they have never have brought those you know, things that had blemished someone's character up in an obituary?
1: Well, and, and that's the thing. Like, is that really the way that we want to do things? As soon as someone dies, do they become a good person? And you know, no matter what we say, there's a threshold there, right? Like uh, when Pol Pot died, no one said look, look, he was a family man. You know, they talked about what he really did mm. as just the threshold of the level of sin that is required for <laughs> is it that? a full accounting of their life. Is it, and, is it, is is it that? that?
0: Or is it Twitter? Is it the fact that it's Twitter because it, it, it's sort of minimising the death and maximising that point in its short Announcement.
1: I think that probably the thing, the impact of Twitter here is that actually there is value in getting clout. There is value in getting um, the moral high ground, I guess. And so you, if you can seem to be more enlightened than other people, then maybe you you'll post something that seems to be counter to the dominant narrative because it will make you seem more enlightened than the people in the dominant narrative. But I, the, the question is whether there was value in tweeting this about Kobe Bryant. That's another question. The the, the the question that I'm also interested in is whether she should have been suspended. And I think that Definitely not. No, and this is this is crazy that the, yeah. the the newspaper's editor has intervened to suspend a, a reporter that's tweeted out a factual story. Yes. For tweeting it at the what he deemed to be the wrong time, which is, uh, it, I mean, it doesn't speak well to the other reporters. It doesn't say that you're going to stand by a reporter, and it also says that you might uh, cave into the will of a, a, a mob. And I guess Felicia sommes is contention also is that they probably could have protected her better because she was facing reasonably credible threats.
0: And your final story is about TVNZ and RNZ and this
1: possible merger. Absolutely. It's the Jane Patterson, RNZ's Jane Patterson had a scoop this morning about uh, the government's plans to create a supersized public broadcaster. There's this talk about merging TVNZ and RNZ, which we happen to be on Right now, I mean, this is—I mean, this is a scoop, but it's also—I'm not sure it advances the situation all that much. Basically, what's happened is that this proposal has gone before cabinet uh, to merge the two, and they've sent it out for a business case.
0: Mm, Do we get to have any input? Do you think, Hayden?
1: This is one of the criticisms that maybe this is a little (laughs) bit secretive that we don't really know what this is all about. And another criticism is that maybe it seems very strange that maybe the business case should have been developed before the proposal went to Cabinet in the first place. I'm totally speculating here. What it seems like is that Chris Farfoy went to Cabinet with something in December. They weren't totally happy with it. He came back with it. Now they're going out to business case on this revised proposal. uh, There's a whole bunch of mystery, though, still around exactly what shape this new public broadcaster would truly take.
0: Well, I'll put my hand up and say that radio and television are definitely two different disciplines, and I think management sometimes fail to understand that because radio is its own art form and television is its own art form, as is print journalism. So Mm. you really need to understand what those disciplines are to start with in order to merge successfully. And one of those things that would be so wonderful for the radio arm of things would be a new building. Wouldn't that be great, Hayden? Oh, With state-of-the-art technology. You know, like the buildings of old, a broadcasting house in Wellington and in Auckland that were so shamefully torn down. Uh, parking lot in, in Auckland, in Durham Lane now, and whoever was responsible for that should hang their heads in shame. But what may happen is that TVNZ stays in its building and we stay in ours.
1: I think I'm in the eighth day here, so I don't want to be necessarily calling our building a shabby hellhole or anything like that did i
0: say that i do i was just paraphrasing you
1: there like i did to sean i did not Mighty say Bar- that <laughs> tv building is now state of the art i mean this is this is one of the one of the things that we could get out of this i mean the the real question here and i think it's something that is is, is only slightly answered in the report today But it's something that maybe MediaWorks, Hal Crawford, their outgoing news director, has called for. He said, you know, TVNZ is essentially operating as a non-profit while competing for our advertisers. And the real call, I guess implicitly, or that some people have made, is that TVNZ should operate as a non-commercial entity. And then all of that advertiser money would be freed up to go back into the private sector Uh, It looks like from the reports today that the government isn't inclined to give up all of that revenue that TVNZ is making for it, and you can understand why that is. Uh, There is a proviso or there's a provision in this uh, proposal apparently for commercial revenue to still fund some of this big, supersized public broadcaster. So maybe it's not great news for MediaWorks there. The question is will. Will these other private broadcasters like MediaWorks, News Hub, be able to survive with their loss-making TV arms? The question is, what time is Hal
0: Crawford's flight home? Well, I think... <laughs> or is he gone? He's, he's going. <laughs>
1: he's February, I think. <laughs> End of February. Bye-bye. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> That'll be... A, yeah, that will be... That will be... Uh, I guess Hal maybe has been able to talk a bit more freely because he knew he was going out the door, but that was very interesting what he wrote for NewsHub last year where he talked about that.
0: I think it's a great idea personally because it's good financially. It's a wonderful idea financially yes. and facility-wise it's brilliant. It's not to say that you can't successfully have those two disciplines merging. It's just that you've got to know that they are two different disciplines.
1: Yeah. It sounds like you need to be on the consultation team actually, Karen.
0: Oh, thanks Hayden. Nobody's asked.
1: Oh, well, call out. <laughs> if you're listening to this, Chris, Jacinda... Karen's Uh, available.
0: Very good. All right, well,
1: Hayden, that's you for another week, and we won't see you for two weeks, will we? Two weeks. Two weeks of Colin, it looks like. How's the new job going, anyway? It's going okay, I think. I don't know whether I'm failing miserably, uh, but hopefully not. You can email your feedback to me if you want.
0: Yeah, text us 2101. Is Hayden <laughs> failing miserably? <laughs> oh, That sounds I like a, short, a Sean a Plunkett better. question, Hayden. <laughs> oh, no. I'll only read out the good ones, I <laughs> Thank promise. Thank you so
1: much. Yeah, let's absolutely skew this news, please. Cheers.
0: Okay, we'll see you in a couple of weeks. Thanks very
1: much.